Hi, this is my dad's podcast, Power Time. What's up, Power Player? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast. This is an audio program for gamers of all ages. My name is Tom Tate. I am your host and guide, taking you on a journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. Join me as we travel back in time to soak in the magazine, the memories, the music, and more from the NES and Super NES days. So last week I was off for Thanksgiving, but I was super grateful to air an episode of Nintendo Switchcraft. This is one of my favorite podcasts. I recorded this with fellow podcaster Run Jump Stomp. We talked about all things Mario Odyssey. It was a spoiler cast. So if you're interested in that, you don't mind some Mario uh, spoilers, definitely check that out in the feed. Uh, I do want to mention uh, for first time listeners, I'm a little sick. I'm a little under the weather, but the show must go on. I don't usually sound this nasally. And if you're a longtime listener, I will apologize in advance that you have to deal uh, with this new tone. Maybe that's what I'll call it. I'm not sick. I just have a new tone. I do hope that everyone out there had a really fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, if you celebrate that sort of thing, uh, we are entering into the Christmas slash holiday season. This is one of my favorite times of the year. A lot of great memories growing up celebrating the holidays, getting fantastic games and consoles, and having that nice winter break from school to just veg out and binge on amazing games. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Uh, I'll be sharing uh, some extra bonus episodes that focus on the holidays. Uh, so if you're interested, you want to get involved, definitely drop me a line, tom at powertimepodcast.com. And while you're at it, you could also email me there and leave me some feedback on the show. This is episode five in what I'm calling season two, where we cover every issue from 1991. And your feedback really helps shape the show. You can email me or leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your app of choice. Uh, I would love to learn how I can continue to improve the show for you, the listener. So here's a quick review that we received from After the Fire 111. And this is titled Best Nintendo Podcast Out There. It was a five-star review. This came in about nine days ago. I want to thank you so much for this review. Uh, it states, absolutely love this format and podcast. It's so positive, a real celebration of Nintendo. Love it. I want to thank you so much after the fire. Uh, I don't know that this is the best Nintendo podcast out there, but I do try really hard to put out quality episodes, uh, for, again, for gamers of all ages. And I like uh, what you stated here. Definitely a celebration of Nintendo. They put out some of my favorite franchises and gaming experiences. And uh, I'm, I'm here because I'm a super fan. And I hope that you are too. All right, we're going to blow that warp whistle. We're going to turn back time to May of 1991. We're going to take a look at the cover of Volume 24 of Nintendo Power. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into this episode. So on the cover of Volume 24, we are taking a look at a very awesome game called Vice Project Doom. Here it says, Vice Project Doom Cosmic Plot. Don't miss the Rocketeer Game Boy Gauntlet 2. And then bonus, we have a Battletoads comic. 
The image here is interesting. Again, we have very 90s colors. We have purples and pinks and yellows, very similar to the issues that we've seen the past couple of months. We see two hands holding kind of super futuristic binoculars. And then looking into the distance, we have the main character from Vice Project Doom climbing a ladder. And that looks almost like pixel art. It almost looks like the actual graphics from the game. Slightly different. Uh, Volume 24 is still $3.50 in the US, $4.50 in Canada. We have the uh, big, amazing yellow and red Nintendo Power logo, of course. And we have that Nintendo seal of quality. This is still the source for news and strategies straight from the pros. And turning the page, we have Powerline. And this is where the editor kind of sums up what you can expect from this particular issue. We have the Nestor Awards from 1990. So this is one of my favorite annual occurrences in Nintendo Power. They will take the uh, top games and top aspects of games, and you could vote on those as a player. You can send in a ballot. Uh, And then they would reveal the winners in the Nestor Awards or the Nintendo Power Awards. And uh, we're going to catch those uh, in this particular episode. We're going to cover the cover story, which is Vice Project Doom, uh, which is really, really awesome. And we're going to be taking a look at hero Quinn Hart and his amazing journey uh, through jungles and cities and factories as he fights all different types of weird, uh, interesting characters. Uh, We have a couple other random games. We have The Rocketeer. We have uh, The Lone Ranger, Adventures of Lolo 3. Uh, And we have a couple comics in this issue. And then just paging over to the table of contents, we'll take a look at a few other things like previews, upcoming game packs that are going to be released soon. Uh, We have a celebrity profile, and we have a couple of letters that were sent in through Mailbox. But without further ado, let's jump right in to the featured game in Volume 24 of Nintendo Power. Life must have been a lot less complicated before the aliens came to Earth. From where I stand, those creeps are nothing but trouble. And I know trouble. The name's Quinn Hart. I'm a vice officer. My brush with the aliens started with a routine call on a runway madman. Little did I know then that this by-the-numbers job would lead me to the alien leaders of the Beta Corporation. Beta makes gel. Aliens need gel to survive, but humans can't take the stuff for long. First, they feel total euphoria, then zap. Their history. That's why you can't sell gel to humans. But Beta made a lot of money doing that. They had to be stopped. This is Vice Project Doom. So I guess you have to love any story that begins with life must have been a lot less complicated before the aliens came to Earth. Uh, It's always the case, right? Life is far less complicated. We take life for granted. When you think about it, you know, life, it feels stressful. It feels complex. It feels uh, very difficult at times. But, you know, we are living in the pre-aliens coming to Earth era. So just remember uh, the words of Quinn Hart, vice officer from Vice Project Doom, that life is actually a lot less complicated 
So according to Nintendo Power, Vice Project Doom is a sci-fi adventure from American Sammy that's loaded with action, plot twists, and thrill-packed stages. Uh, most of the game takes place in the classic running and jumping side view. Some stages, though, look at the action from a totally different angle. Overhead driving scenes and first-person perspective keep the game new and exciting. There are 11 alien blasting stages. In the data box, which is a little box that shows you the scores that this game received from Nintendo Power reviewers, uh, there's actually two typos. Uh, so it says Voice Project Doom, and it says American Sammy as the developer instead of American Sammy. Uh, it uses the MMC3 chip. We talked about the chips earlier in this season, uh, and it actually scored really well. So graphics and sound, 4.3, play control, 4.0. Challenge and Excitement 4.3, and Theme and Fun 3.8. So uh, Vice Project Doom, definitely a game worth noticing uh, back in this day. Before Nintendo Power jumps into the full feature, we learn a little bit about the items that you pick up in this game. The first item that is listed is a bottle. It doesn't actually say what the bottle contains, but it restores two health points. And the next thing is a meat bone. And the meat bone, we can only imagine that it's chicken or some other form of recognizable meat, uh, but that restores one point. So it's kind of interesting to me that the bottle restores two. We're not quite sure what's in it, and the meat bone only restores one. I would probably expect the other way around. We then jump right into the various stages and of course, in true Nintendo Power fashion, we have maps and we have item locations and we have tips and tricks for how to get through the stages and then ultimately defeat the boss at the end of the stage. So Vice Project Doom does something that's really awesome. It opens up the game in a very cinematic way. It opens up the game with a car chase. And this is a driving stage. So you actually operate a car. It's kind of a top-down overhead view. It almost feels like you're playing a shooter game like Galaga uh, or R-Type. Uh, uh, it's almost like a shoot 'em up right? Because you're kind of in a fixed location. You can move left and right. I think you can move uh, up and down as well. Uh, but really, the screen is scrolling. Uh, as if you're driving, and you can shoot. You can shoot at enemies, and it's a lot of fun. It's a cool way to open up the game. So the first stage is a driving stage. The second stage uh, is pretty straightforward. You're going to take on Ratman. Stage three, you're going to take on a, a boss called Kim Ron. And stage four, you find yourself at Ricardo Range, all the way in South Central America. So you're moving from Chinatown in the city to South Central America. So very interesting, uh, very interesting game here. Uh, four two, we have Showdown at the Port. And on stage four two, this is a first person perspective stage uh, where you actually are shooting almost like a light gun style game, except it wasn't compatible with the Zapper. Uh, so it's an interesting switch in perspective here. Stage five, uh, you're going to be facing the armored M5 Scorpion vehicle. Very sci-fi-ish. Stage six, we have the Beta Corporation lab uh, that you're going to infiltrate and face the PCU-100 Vardkin. Stage seven, you'll be facing the PCU-110 Rogue. Uh, and stage eight, you'll be facing the Proton. And then the final stage that is covered in Nintendo Power is stage nine. This is a deeper dive into the biotech lab, and you'll be facing a uh, Gu Matan combat suit. This is a really interesting boss. Uh, again, that's the Gu Matan combat suit. Uh, and of course, it, it's this kind of blue creature that you would expect to see in a biotech lab, uh, especially an evil one. And that's actually it for Nintendo Power's coverage of Vice Project Doom. It just runs through these nine stages in about, I want to say, 10 or 11 pages, maybe 12 pages. Uh, not a very large feature, especially for a, a 
cover game, a featured game. Uh, but it, it is interesting uh, that it, it did make the featured spot. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute. The game doesn't cover stage 10 and 11. If I believe correctly, stage 10 is another driving level, just like the opening stage. And then stage 11, of course, is the final level where you'll face the final boss of the game and then ultimately see the conclusion. So let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. Uh, Then we'll talk about the history of the game and the kind of critical reception. How do people actually feel about this game today? So the gameplay of this title is certainly derivative of other NES games. The main side-scrolling action that we talked about in most of the levels, it's very reminiscent of Ninja Gaiden. The speed at which you run and the slash of your weapon feels very much like Ryu uh, from Ninja Gaiden. The cinematic style cutscenes also reminds me of that franchise. This is a very cinematic game. It's not the ninja motif, uh, so to say. It's more like a Blade Runner style world or environment. Uh, There's not a wall jumping mechanic in this. So in that sense, it definitely protects this game from being seen as a complete one-to-one clone of Ninja Gaiden. I think there would definitely be issues if there was a wall jumping mechanic in this game. The overhead driving and racing sequences, they're often compared to Spy Hunter. And I mentioned some shoot 'em ups earlier. And these first person shooting sequences are often compared to Bayou Billy. And there's a couple other different games like Operation Wolf that you could probably make comparisons to as well. Uh, and as I mentioned, there's 11 stages in total, and all of them provide a ton of variety in the environments and also in the enemies. Maybe a little too much variety, though, in the enemies. There's a very bizarre cast of characters that you're going to fight in this game. Insects, zombies, pumpkin heads, talked about a rat man. Uh, we have these interesting uh, goo maton suit uh, or whatever it was uh, that you face in the bio lab. Very, very bizarre characters throughout this game. Uh, So we're actually going to take a quick musical interlude. I want to play the track from the first level of Vice Project Doom. And then when we get back, we'll talk about the history of this game. Vice Project Doom, also known as Gundek in Japan, was released in 1991. The game was developed by ICOM, and ICOM was a Japanese game development company, and it was published by American Sammy. ICOM worked on Totally Rad, Astyanax, Golgo 13, The Moffat Conspiracy, a couple of games that we've already discussed, a few games that we'll discuss coming up, and they've also worked on a bunch of arcade titles. They eventually were acquired by Sammy, and then later on in their history, they actually went independent, and they began developing primarily SNK games for Neo Geo and Neo Geo Pocket Color. 
thought that was really interesting. It's always fun to kind of dig into these lesser known players like Icom and Sammy. I didn't know anything about these developers and publishers until I started digging into Vice Project Doom. But honestly, other than that, there's very little details regarding this game. I discovered a few sites that detailed the differences between the Japanese and the American versions. But even in that case, there weren't that many differences, certainly not enough to tell a strong story. So there's just very little to be said about how this game came to be. So I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Uh, And if you're a first time listener to Power Time, you know that I love to dig into the stories and the narratives that really made and shaped what these games ultimately became, the development stories, the release stories. Uh, But with Vice Project Doom, there's really not much. So I will say, if you are listening and you are a Vice Project Doom expert, definitely get in touch with me, tom at powertimepodcast.com. Let's talk. Maybe you can be on the show, kind of enlighten myself and the listeners uh, on how this game came to be. There is plenty of commentary on the game itself. So like Metal Storm and Power Blade, this is another NES game that rarely gets mentioned in top 25 lists. It's often forgotten in conversations, but nowadays it's kind of regarded as a, a critical hit or a sleeper hit and a bit of a hidden gem on the console. So there are a few pieces from reviews that I've read, a couple that I want to share with you today. From the NES Famicom Visual Compendium, this is published by Bitmap Books, there's a quick quote. Vice Project Doom is a pastiche of different genres, but they gel, no pun intended, together perfectly. So much so, you'd almost swear you were playing an action movie tie-in from Ocean Software. However, while it's easy to pick apart the game's numerous influences, most notable Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Turtles, Terrakin, and a sprinkling of Castlevania, Vice Project Doom is thankfully much greater than the sum of its parts. The review later states, Technically, the game is flawless, and it boasts some incredible backgrounds and atmospheric effects. Indeed, the train level alone will have you wondering if you're really playing on your wee little NES. I definitely uh, resonated with that uh, as I was playing through this game. I have another review. This is from Mike Zeller. It was published in Jeremy Parrish's collection, Good Intentions. And this is a nice little write-up on the game. I'm not going to share the whole thing, but the conclusion is quite fitting. Vice Project Doom isn't a particularly flashy game, and it's been largely forgotten in the years since its release. Nevertheless, its developers took the lessons of early NES games to heart and managed to produce a refined, confident title that contributed to the progression of the story-driven games we have today. And I think that's a great summation of a lot of what I've read elsewhere. It's really nice to hear this game being described as refined rather than derivative. It would be so easy to just say that this is a clone of a lot of other games. But I honestly think, and I've played through this game uh, very recently, that this game is certainly refined. It is learning from previous NES games and creating an experience that is uniquely its own. And as I mentioned, I did play through this game this past week just to experience it firsthand. I did pass this up when I owned an NES. I don't even recall seeing this game as an opportunity to to rent uh, or to purchase. And overall, this is a really great game. I recommend that you play it if you have access to NES titles. It's fast. It's fun. The story is really weird and out there, but I enjoyed that. Definitely felt like a Blade Runner-esque story. The music is okay. Uh, I'm a huge fan of NES music. 
even larger fan of Super Nintendo music. Uh, in this case, I think the music is just okay. I wouldn't put this OST on repeat, uh, but it is good. It fits the game. It fits the tone of the game. We've heard a few tracks already, uh, and I, I just walked away from this game really wishing that the quirkiness of the franchise was revisited at some point throughout the years, but we never received an actual sequel to this game. And I have to give a shout out to 8bit underscore Able on Twitter, uh, who reached out. I tweeted out, you know, what are your thoughts on this game? And he wrote, it's a cool game with great graphics and plays great as well. And I couldn't agree more. So I want to know, what do you think? What do you think of Vice Project Doom? You can tweet me at Yo Power Time and let me know. You can also email me. My contact information is in the show notes. Uh, but I would love to share your thoughts on the show. Uh, so definitely do so. And uh, sneak preview, we have Battletoads coming up. So if you have any amazing thoughts on Battletoads, let me know as well. But for now, we're going to close the case on Vice Project Doom, and we are going to move on to our next feature. Up next, we have the 1990 Nintendo Power Awards. As I mentioned earlier, this is one of my favorite features of the year. This is an annual occurrence for Nintendo Power fans. It is the Nesters or the Nintendo Power Awards. And this issue features the best of the best of 1990 as voted by the fans. But I'm sure that the editors had a bit of influence over who won as well. I'm not sure how those ballots actually played into who ultimately took home the gold in the Nesters. Uh, But I like to hope, I like to believe that your vote counted, that there was no collusion in the 1990. Uh, Nintendo Power Awards. So I'm going to run through actually who took first, second, and third place in each of the categories uh, because I think it's fun always to uh, look back and just reminisce on what games were popular back in this day, uh, specifically with, with the fans. So best graphics and sound, we had Mega Man 3 take the gold, we had Super Mario 3 take the silver, and Castlevania 3 take the bronze. A little surprising there. Super Mario 3 I thought had amazing graphics and sound. But yes, Mega Man 3 also had an incredible soundtrack uh, and fantastic graphics. Amazing backgrounds in those stages. For best theme and fun, of course, we had Super Mario Bros. 3 take the gold, Mega Man 3 take the silver, and surprisingly, we had Dragon Warrior 2 take the bronze. A very popular RPG, but I'm surprised of all the games that were released in 1990 that it beat out games like Ninja Turtles and Super C. Uh, But let's move on. We have Best Challenge, Castlevania 3 at number one. We have Crystallis take the silver spot, and we have Battle of Olympus take the bronze. We have Best Play Control, Super Mario Bros. 3, again, taking another gold. We have Mega Man 3 at the number two spot again. And then we have Super C, uh, Amazing Play Control in Super C. Uh, For Best Hero, this was surprising to me. Uh, Similar to Best Graphics and Sound, I was surprised to see that Mega Man was voted the Best Hero of 1990, beating out Mario and also beating out Donatello from Ninja Turtles. Best Bad Guy, we have Shredder in first place, and we have Dr. Wily from Mega Man, and then we have the Koopalings in third place. Most Innovative, we have Shadowgate, which of course was a PC port on the NES, uh, pretty cool. We have Miracle Keyboard Teaching System, which we talked about, which was an actual piano that taught you how to play piano. Uh, And you could play with a bunch of different MIDI patches. It was pretty interesting, innovative piece of technology at the time. And then we have Maniac Mansion at the number three spot for most innovative. So interesting to see uh, that we have two kind of 
PC style games, Shadowgate and Maniac Mansion, uh, vote it as most innovative. For best simultaneous multiplayer game, we have TMNT 2, the arcade game, at number one. Uh, in the silver spot, we have NES Play Action Football, and then we have Dr. Mario at number uh, three. For overall best games, this was the number one. This was the best game of 1990. This is the greatest award that you could walk away with. We had Super Mario Brothers 3. No shock there. Uh, of course, we had a fantastic Power Time episode where we talked about the actual uh, issue that covered Super Mario Brothers 3. And then we had a separate episode where I was able to just share community stories. Definitely check those out in the archive uh, if you're interested. At number two, we had TMNT 2, the arcade game, uh, coming in for overall best game. And then at number three in the bronze spot, we had Mega Man 3. Interesting to see how everything shook out with overall best games. Mega Man 3 and Super Mario kind of battling back and forth in different categories. Uh, But I'm, I'm happy with that three spot for sure. And then we also have a couple of Game Boy games here. Uh, TMNT Fall of the Foot Clan was number one uh, overall best Game Boy game. We had Super Mario Land at number two. And then we had Final Fantasy Legend at number three. So it was a great year for Nintendo. 1990, 1991. I cannot wait to see what the next year's Nesters look like. Lots of amazing games released in 91. Uh, And I can only imagine what this looks like after the Super Nintendo starts unveiling some of their roster of amazing games as well. The next featured game in the issue is the Rocketeer by Bandai. Ready your rockets and blast off for a spellbinding aerial adventure over Hollywood in the late 1930s. You are Cliff Secord, a reluctant hero in a tale of pre-war tension. The Rocketeer from Bandai soars into action based on the upcoming summer blockbuster from Walt Disney Studios. Graphics and sounds 3.1, play control 3.0, challenge and excitement 2.9, and theme and fun 3.3. So fairly average, slightly above average game here from Bandai. Uh, The Rocketeer, of course, is based on an upcoming Disney film. I remember the film fondly. I don't remember the game. Here we have six chapters, fairly straightforward platforming action with some flying, it looks like. Uh, and the, the Nintendo Power coverage is is pretty bland. Maps, item locations, some tips and strategies. Uh, again, I don't recall playing this game. It looks like a decent game. I might go back and watch some Let's Play videos or something on YouTube just to take a look at the footage. Uh, but if you remember playing this game fondly, definitely let me know. All right, Power Players, saddle up for our next featured review in the May 1991 issue of Nintendo Power. This is going to be an exciting one. Hi-ho, silver, and away! Out of the dusty legends of the Old West comes Konami's action-adventure starring the Lone Ranger. Evil Butch Cavendish has kidnapped the President, and the Lone Ranger is on his trail. Along the way, he'll have to help just about everyone else west of the Mississippi, too. But shoot 'em up action is the real name of the game. The plot only loosely connects a wide variety of action scenes. In some stages, a zapper option is available for sharpshooters. 
You'll save the game with passwords, but to save the day, you'll have to master six playing views. This is the Lone Ranger by Konami. Uh, the graphics and sound, we have 3.4, play control 3.5, challenge and excitement 3.9, and th- theme and fun 3.9. Uh, this is another game that I don't remember playing. I do remember it being released, and I don't remember a lot of these zapper side-scrolling hybrid games. So it's cool. It's cool that you can definitely leverage the zapper in games like this and buy you Billy, uh, but it's not necessarily always incredibly fun. So the Lone Ranger has an overhead world map uh, and a different overhead style of gameplay when you are in towns. And then you have a side-scrolling platformer view. You have lots of cutscenes throughout the game, and then you have the ability to shop for things in stores. So there's a lot of depth and variety to this game. It's not just a side-scroller. There are eight stages in the game. They're all covered here in Nintendo Power. We have maps, we have strategies and tips. Uh, The music is not bad, as we've heard uh, just now, and we'll hear another track in just a bit. Uh, But the color palette in this game is really, really bad. It's really bland, in my opinion. Uh, But I guess that's par for the course for a Western game. But it's one of the things that stuck out. I, I didn't play this game, but I watched maybe uh, 45 minutes of gameplay as I was multitasking, as I was doing something else. And I just felt like the graphics weren't doing the game any favors because of the color selections. Just a bland palette. Uh, Definitely check this out if if you don't remember this game, just so you can take a look at that specifically. But again, uh, this is another title that, you know, is possibly a sleeper hit on the NES. If you enjoyed it, definitely let me know. You can tweet me at Yo Power Time. Up next, we have Adventures of Lolo 3. This is the third game in the Lolo series. This is from Hal America. Uh, It received really positive scores, graphics and sound, only a 3.6, but play control 4.1, challenge and excitement 4.3, and theme and fun 4.1. This game, if you don't remember the Lolo series, uh, there's 100 mind-boggling rooms across 17 levels. It's kind of like a labyrinth type game, uh, a lot of puzzles and and solving and adventure. It's It's a cool game. Uh, Definitely a good strategic direction for for puzzle solving and boss fighting uh, in this particular issue. So they help you get through some of the more challenging things. It's a fun series. I definitely recommend that you check this out uh, if you haven't played any of the Lolo games. Maybe even start with three uh, because it's a ton of fun. Moving on to the now playing section. uh, This is where we kind of cover a bunch of games really quickly. Games that didn't really score high enough to get a full review. Uh, We have Magic Darts, which is literally a dart game, like throwing darts. We have Wampum, which is an amazing little platformer from Jalico. I have a lot of fond memories playing this game uh, with my friend Steve, who actually owned this. And uh, in retrospect, Wampum is super disrespectful and irreverent towards Native Americans. So if you're going to play that, definitely keep that in mind. Uh, I don't necessarily think... Uh, that they would make a game this irreverent in 2017, but who knows? Uh, then we have Mini Putts, Clash Ball, Laser Invasion, feels like a bunch of throwaway titles, Bill Elliott's NASCAR Challenge, we have Nabu Naga's Ambition 3, and then we have The Bard's Tale. There's a Game Boy section here. We have a bunch of Game Boy games that are featured in this issue Mysterium, Gauntlet 2, Battle Unit Zeoth, Nintendo World Cup spot and the chess master 
Uh, I'm going to quickly play another track from the Lone Ranger that I just couldn't get out of my head this week. I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to play that and then we'll jump into our next section, which is previews. So let's jump right into Pack Watch. This is a look into the future of NES game packs. First, we have Tecmo Super Bowl. This is a long-awaited follow-up to Tecmo Bowl. 28 real pro teams play through a complete 16-week season. This is definitely a popular title from back in this era of the NES. Uh, before we get into the 16-bit football titles, this is probably one of the best. Uh, so if you're into this time period of sports games, definitely play Tecmo Super Bowl if you haven't played it already. We have Darkman from Ocean. This is based on the Darkman license. It's compared here to Robocop 2. We have Daydreaming Davy. I've never heard of this game and I haven't played it yet. I'm going to. If you've ever daydreamed about being in the Old West or Middle Ages, you have something in common with Daydreaming Davy, the hero of a new action game from HAL America. So Hal has a really good track record, so I definitely think this might be a fun game. Uh, I'm going to go back and check this out. We have Hudson Hawk, based on the new Bruce Willis action comedy motion picture. Under Gossip Galore, we have uh, titles referenced here like American Gladiators, Bases Loaded 3, Might and Magic, Videomation, Wizardry 2, Workboy, which is an organizer and kind of a travel accessory toolkit for Game Boy. There's a language translator, telephone auto dialer. I have no idea what that means. Temperature converter, diary, and personal finance tool. Uh, so very interesting kind of personal assistant type stuff for the Game Boy. And in the coming soon list, we still have Earthbound. It's still listed there. I'm so puzzled by its appearance. And I'll have a little bit more on that in just a bit. Other interesting games, we have Mike Tyson's Power Punch, uh, also listed in the coming later list. And we have Mega Man 4. Mike Tyson's Power Punch, I believe, was canceled. Uh, I'm going to do some digging into that. And then Mega Man 4, it was referenced, I think, in the last issue that it might be a Super Nintendo title, and now it's listed here just as a confirmed game. Speaking of the Super NES, uh, there's a Super NES showcase uh, call-out in this particular issue. It shows off the Super Famicom logo with the Famicom crossed out. So this is kind of like reverse marketing. We've been talking about the Famicom this entire season, and now this showcases the North American design of the console. This showcases the Super Nintendo Entertainment System as we know it today. Some featured games, we have Super R-Type, Hal's Hole-in-One Golf. Uh, we have the Simpsons game, 
uh, Jelly Bean from CSG Image Soft. We have Equinox, a follow-up to the NES game Solstice, and Super Off-Road. So a lot of different games uh, referenced in this issue. We also have a cool interview and featured guest next episode of Power Time to talk about the Super Nintendo launch. I'm really excited to share this. I've been sitting on it for, I guess, over a month now, uh, but it lines up perfectly with the Battletoads episode, which is next. So I'm really, really excited to reveal who this guest is and share some of that commentary. Our next section is That's So Retro, where I talk about things that are super 90s. We have a poem here about Mega Man that I'm going to read to you. As you can plainly see, this is the end of Mega Man 3. You beat Dr. Wily with the search snake, then rocks fall, you're flat as a pancake. Proto Man comes, whistles his tune. At the end of the game, Dr. Wily is doomed. Uh, and it's it's nice. Uh, the editors of Nintendo Power wrote back to Lee, who wrote that poem, and said, Snappy poem, Lee. It brought tears to the eyes of the editorial staff here at Nintendo Power. Maybe it was the onion-skinned paper you used. A very, very witty response from Nintendo Power. We also have Artbeat, which is a section here that focuses on the fan art of, uh, I believe, one uh, teenager, Josh. And we're starting to see more of the fan art being exposed in Nintendo Power. And this is something that I recall personally from reading Nintendo Power. I remember seeing the images of envelopes, uh, drawings on envelopes that people would submit when they're sending in letters and different illustrations. Uh, here we have uh, this profile on Josh, but we also have uh, illustrations of Mega Man that people submitted. Uh, really cool stuff. Also retro, we have the celebrity profile of Alex Winter. So Alex Winter, of course, is from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, 2, which we know now as Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, one of the great cinematic masterpieces of the 1990s. Uh, and he, he says here, I started seeing people playing Game Boy everywhere, recalls Alex. At first, I didn't know what the heck they were doing. I thought it was maybe some sort of secret network that I wasn't aware of. Finally, I borrowed one from somebody on the set and started playing Tetris. And it's cool. It's really cool to uh, hear about his gaming experience. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of, of Bill and Ted. And uh, Alex Winter, who played Bill, uh, of course, is kind of a, a, a legend and Alex Winter, of course, made that character of Bill uh, from San Dimas, California, so iconic. Uh, so nice celebrity profile on this issue. And as always in That's So Retro, we'd like to give a power time salute to the gameplay counselors that are profiled in this issue. This particular gameplay counselor, his name is Jeff Norton. He became a GPC in January of 1990. His hobbies include playing and producing music, working with computers, camping, and fishing, his greatest NES accomplishment, first GPC to complete Dragon Warrior 2 and Earthbound. Favorite NES game, all role-playing games. So I just want to point out, this is 1991. The Earthbound that Jeff Norton completed was actually the original Mother. It was released recently on Virtual Console, so we were able to uh, get, get a feel for it. But in 1991... The original Earthbound was not released in the United States. And I would love to have more information on the copy of Earthbound uh, or the copy of the original Mother that the gameplay counselors were able to play, in this case, to completion. So it's a mystery to me. I've been doing some research. I'm going to continue to do some research. I've contacted a few people to try to get some more information. I'm going to keep doing so uh, because I want to learn more 
about the original Earthbound on the NES uh, from the perspective of gameplay counselors and Nintendo Power. Our next section, are we having fun yet? This section is where I just kind of tie up some of the odds and ends, some of the fun sections that I passed over in the earlier part of the episode. Howard and Nestor, uh, this uh, particular comic is a play on Monopoly. Nestor gets kind of cocky. He starts throwing his Monopoly money around over town, but then he gets arrested for littering and he spends some time in the local jail. This, of course, is a play on Monopoly, which we covered in the last episode because it just was released on the NES. We get a second comic in this particular issue, and this is a Battletoads comic. So this Battletoads comic, it introduces readers to a brand new franchise in preparation for the game, also in preparation for the next issue of Nintendo Power, uh, we learn about new heroes, Zitz, Pimple, and Rash. And we learn about other characters like the Dark Queen, Professor T-Bird. But the comic itself, it has this weird sort of meta scenario that involves the developers of the game and the gameplay testers uh, who worked on the game as well. So it's interesting, but remember that Battletoads was a brand new franchise and it wasn't based on a cartoon or anything. So I definitely see the strategy in introducing the Battletoads, the characters, to readers before the Battletoads issue, which we'll talk about next week. The pullout poster this month is Tailspin. It looks great. Uh, I wish I had that Tailspin poster on my wall. Of course, Tailspin from the uh, Disney Afternoon uh, collection of games from Capcom. And uh, we'll talk about that hopefully in a few weeks uh, when it's actually reviewed in Nintendo Power. All right, we're close to wrapping up today's episode. And as always, we will do so by sharing the top 10 games on the NES and Game Boy as listed in the top 30 in Nintendo Power. Starting with Game Boy, we have Super Mario Land at number one, TMNT, Fall of the Foot Clan at number two, Dr. Mario, Final Fantasy Legend, Tetris at number five, Gargoyles Quest at number six, Castlevania at number seven, Batman at number eight, Play Action Football at number nine, and Radar Mission at number 10. In the top 10 on the NES, we have Super Mario Brothers 3, TMNT 2, the arcade game, Mega Man 3, Final Fantasy, Dr. Mario, Tetris, Crystallis, Dragon Warrior 2, NES Play Action Football, and Ultima Quest of the Avatar. So a nice top 10 list here. Uh, again, we're not really seeing any of the recent titles that we've talked about, uh, like Star Tropics, Metal Storm, Power Blade, but maybe they'll pop up in the top 10 uh, in the coming weeks. Up next week, we'll be talking about Battletoads, The Hunt for Red October, Super RC Pro-Am, and of course, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System preview. This is the big reveal issue next issue, and I'm really, really excited again to share some commentary from a special guest uh, featured music this week. The intro outro music in this episode is by Azor Flux. It is used with permission. We typically have some awesome covers of featured game soundtracks on this podcast, but I actually had such a hard time finding Project Doom and Rocketeer and Lone Ranger covers. So I pulled from the original game soundtracks. So I hope that you enjoy them. I definitely enjoyed that as a change of pace, but we'll get back with Battletoads in finding some actual fantastic covers that we can share on the show. I always like supporting VGM tribute artists like The Advantage, like The One-Ups, uh, whenever I have the opportunity to do so. You can check out the full show notes for this episode at powertimepodcast.com slash 24, where I have a few links to Azor Flux and a couple of the uh, songs that I played from this particular episode. 
And as always, I'd like to mention that Power Time Podcast is brought to you proudly by listeners like you and your ongoing support by subscribing, listening, and leaving quick and honest reviews on Apple Podcasts or your app of choice. If you enjoyed this episode, and I really hope that you did, definitely leave a quick review and let me know what you think. It doesn't have to be a five-star review. An honest review just helps me continue to improve. Power Time is also brought to you by early adopting patrons like Jessica. Uh, if you're eager to throw a few dollars my way, you can head on over to patreon.com slash powertime. But the absolute best way to support the show right now is completely free. And that is simply to share Power Time with a friend, a family member, a message board, a social uh, community, uh, anywhere that you think somebody might enjoy it. It is 100% free to share the show, especially if you enjoyed it. Uh, so definitely feel free to do that. You can interact with me and the PowerTime community through Twitter by tweeting me at YoPowerTime, Y-O-PowerTime. Hang out in the Discord server at PowerTimePodcast.com slash Discord. There's myself and a few of us. I'll occasionally share some fun screenshots, discoveries that I come across while I'm researching issues. Uh, just uh, random fun stuff. Uh, nice way to break up the day. And finally, you can sign up for my weekly email newsletter and get access to a private Facebook group at powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked. There's a whole lot of information. Uh, number one thing, share the show, enjoy the show. Let me know what you think. That's going to wrap up today's episode. Again, I'm feeling a little under the weather, so I'm glad that I made it through it all the way. I hope that you enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully next week, I'll be a little less nasally have a little bit more pep in my step. But thank you as always for your time and attention. Stay tuned for this Battletoads episode. It's going to be a blast. And as always, keep on playing with power. 